So welcome to another edition of the Impact Sessions podcast with me, Nick Bramley. I am absolutely thrilled this week to have one of my longest established, I hasten to not say oldest associates as a guest <laughs> of mine. <laughs> Sorry, Jane. Um, we have Jane Graves, who's the Managing Director of Encompass Marketing. Jane and I go back a long way, We've worked on lots of joint projects together. She's an absolute pleasure to work with and hopefully been a pleasure to have her as a guest on this week's podcast session. We're going to talk about marketing trends for 2021. Do we go online? Do we go local? Should we do both? Um, and without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Jane Graves. Hi, Jane. Hi, how are you? Less of the old. No, I said long established, if you if you listen. <laughs> long established is a very long established. long established, honey, long established. Right, okay. So listen, we're going to go through some questions, some thought processes, think about, you know, maybe with a crystal ball, what 2021 looks like. It cannot look worse than 2020 for many people. So fingers crossed. But um, let's start with you. Um, it's fair to say you've had a very interesting and diverse career path. You know, we have known each other probably 20 odd years, but everything that you've done has always had a golden thread of marketing in there in some way, shape or form. And obviously, um, you know, I'd like to share with us a little bit about kind of what that journey looks like and 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 what's encompassed marketing your business all about. How did you get there and, and, and what was the sort of place to get there from? Sure, thank you. And um, it started with like a lot of people does with a shed load of studying, French, economics, politics, and then a great big wallop of marketing. Um, so learning my profession. So like you say, marketing's always gone through um, the whole of my career. And then I was in corporate world for years and years, climbing that ladder, doing all the training in the days when you got loads of training, like we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I threw all of that away and bought my first business at the grand old age of 30, which was a franchise, a sign manufacturing franchise, um, based in Leeds, near the prison. Lovely, lovely location. Um, and really ran that business, built the team, built the sales, built the marketing um, in the 90s. And then 2006, um, I founded Encompass, which was a marketing consultancy. And that was really through a desire to help small to medium-sized businesses and had seen the rocky roads, the things to avoid uh, and the things to do uh, and wanted to help other people do it. I think some of those you'd seen through personal experience and, and you know, getting involved in and as, as a growing and successful business, you were, I think it's fair to say, uh, Mrs. Signs for Leeds in the 90s. If you wanted to sign manufacturing and installing, you'd be talking to Jane uh, from Signorama in, in the 90s. You were really well connected, really well uh, uh, um, networked. You were on top of your game in terms of getting the message out there. And, and, and I guess from those lessons, that's where Encompass came from, is it? In terms of having successfully launched and grown that franchise business itself. Yeah, definitely. And there's nothing like an empty order book to make you get out there and to have some really dynamic and robust strategies to meet people. Um, it's it's very different to being in corporate world to owning your own business and thinking, right, now where do I start? Yeah, It was a franchise, so we did get a lot of pointers and a lot of advice and a lot of um, stick beating. It was run from America. They're very entrepreneurial and they expect huge commitment and huge energy and that was good they were new lessons for me to learn and new techniques as well okay it's fair to say 
a lot's changed since the 90s, not just the advent of, you know, online and digital and, and internet, whatever. Um, is it better now or easier to attract new customers than it might have been in those days? I think it's easier to get in front of people because you've now got far more routes to market, you've got far more channels, but boy, is it harder for, to persuade them to come with you because they've got far more choice. Mm, they've got far more information, haven't they? Far more yeah. knowledge. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of the, the, the when they do approach businesses these days, they're probably two or three steps further down their positive decision-making route than they ever were before when you had all the knowledge and in return for that knowledge, you'd share that with them for a, you know, a, a fee as it were. Now they've already made that decision on, you know, shortlisting you or, or whatever. Um, so not easier, not worse, just different. I think different. I think you've got to be sharper at your messaging. You've got to know who you want to target even more now. Mm. You've got to have a really clear message and a really clear call to action. Because if it's fuzzy, you know, they say that people interact with you between three and eight seconds. That's it now. That's all you've got. Mm. So you've got to be good at what you do. You've got to really know what you're doing. We are time starved, aren't we? And we do skip and flick and swipe left or right if you're using those kind of apps and things. But essentially, we don't have stickability, do we, unless your message grabs them and is designed for that purpose. So I guess going to the the question of... online and global versus local um is there still a place for local marketing to you know niche areas and geography would you say i think so i think in fact i think it's come full circle this year um, i've been speaking to a lot of local business owners who have obviously been mo- not moaning because that's that's too strong a word but i've been saying well it's okay for the big boys it's okay for amazon we'll just make amazon richer when actually if you stuck to local and had already connected with every local business, whether it was online or offline, you'd have given yourself a really strong base to start off with. Mm. So you value that connectivity then on a localised level more than yeah. that. And gone away from that little bit. Do you think that's come back as a result of COVID? I do. I really do. I think for the first time, businesses and um, buyers are seeing if you don't support local businesses, they are literally going to disappear and they are disappearing. Mm. So I think the buy local theme or hashtag buy local as it would be now, is here. It's really strong. Um, and a lot of those local businesses have seen and are capitalising on people's desire to support local business again. I, I think I work a lot with, with manufacturers and, and I'm passionate about the fact that I hope that what happened at the start of COVID, which was you know, the supply chain uh, was broken. They couldn't get goods and products in from other, other, you know, Far East or Eastern European. Those who traditionally bought cheap and cheerful were, were forced into, you know, looking more localised at UK manufacturing for quality, but the price point was, was going to be a, a factor. I would hope that they remember that when it all sort of settles down and the fact that the quality was there, the supply chain was secure, the service was exceptional, and there were no hidden kind of worries. Do you think that's something that a business that works in supply chain could leverage from a marketing point of view, that buy local, buy British, buy, you know, uh, safe supply chain kind of thing? Yeah, definitely. I work with a client whose supply chain was severely disrupted during that that period. And I mean, they've rectified it now, but it really has given 
UK companies an opportunity to sell themselves even harder to, to show that reliability has become key. Mm. But the price point has gone out of the window, whereas mm. it was always price first, delivery second. Well, the pandemic's changed that, hasn't it? Really changed so. it. You, you can't get your goods no matter what the price is, can you? It doesn't matter what the price is. If they're not making their way on a shipping container from the Far East, it doesn't matter how much you're paying for them if you can't get them, and that affects your manufacturing capability or your distribution or whatever it might be. So, okay. Um, I think also if you buy local or buy, and by local we do mean regional and in the UK as well. Yeah. You don't have the issue of fakes, and obviously you've seen it all over the news. We've seen multiple examples of things that are not actually what they seem. Mm. And if you can go and look around the factories, if you can go speak and me or Zoom, or you've got far more, you've got a far greater chance of buying authentic and buying right and buying reliably. Well, it must be dangerous if you open that container and you've got your fingers crossed that it's actually what you ordered um, because yeah. you've already paid for it. It's already passed through customs. You've already got, you know, the, the goods and chattels there. You open it with your fingers crossed that it's exactly as it says on the tin, but very little you can go back to if that's not the case, isn't it, really? So, you know, I think we're banging the same drum, aren't we, really, from a, a marketing perspective? You know, and it's not about being insular. It's not about, you know, let's let's cover the B word. Don't buy British because we're coming out of Brexit. Buy British because it's the right thing to do, because it's going to help our economy. It's going to help you as a business. Um is there, is there things that we could do better around that? Could could a business be better at promoting that? What could they do from a marketing perspective to to bang that buy British kind of uh, uh, supply chain drum? Then do you think? I think the key. I mean, in, in, in years ago, you used to have the Union Jack sticker on things, didn't you? Which was a, a quality mark, and yeah. you know maybe it's going right back to that. Maybe that that kind of. Um, I'm proud, you know, I'm proud to um, to be in this, to be part of this economy, this supply chain. Maybe we do need to be a little bit prouder, shout a bit, a little bit louder about what we can offer. Mm. From a marketing point of view, it all comes back down to what do your clients want. So if you're in tune with what they want and they're saying to you they want to a guaranteed two week delivery time, then that's what you're shouting about. Mm. Shout about the things that they want to hear and what they're looking for actively. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that goes all the way back full circle to marketing. Step one is find out what your customers want and what they want now is different to what it was in January. Mm, absolutely. I was going to ask you a question about, is there anything that we used to do that we should be doing more of? And I was thinking more about sort of localized sort of face-to-face -face marketing through Zoom and all that kind of stuff. But we didn't do it on Zoom before, but uh, I'm thinking now we've already covered a little bit of that, you know, go back to the basics of being proud of what we deliver to the right audience, you know, because because of digital, because of global, we've probably stepped a little bit away from that. The world becomes a big sort of interesting place, and you lose your place in there if you're not if your marketing's not right. You're just a, a, a you know a very small fish in a very large pond if you're not careful, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. And um, the the old adage was there was always enough business for you within a ten mile radius of where you were based, and that was very eighties and nineties. But I think that has really come back into people's thinking now, and you can see local networking on Zoom and um, local within sectors like manufacturing. They're actually getting back together. Mm. Um, I was working with a client up in the northeast and around the renewable sector. And they're really gathering together again locally. Yes, there's some big international companies in there, but they're actually gathering together the, the, the strength and there's knowledge together 
in, in where you're based. And it's, it's fantastic to see that coming back that people are actually thinking, I'll just look round where I am rather mm-hmm. than straight online. And that might be collaboration as well, mightn't it? It might be the fact yeah. I can collaborate with somebody around the corner in a fabrication sense or an engineering sense or a, whatever it might be. Okay. One of the things that's always impressed me about you, and there are many things, Jane, as you know, we go back a long way, but is the fact that you get the connection between marketing and sales, okay? You absolutely understand what some business owners don't. You sort of understand that the two have to work together. And that's also linked, I guess, to the third one, which is your customer experience. Um, Why do you think some business people and business owners see them as separate disciplines that just don't, you know, I've got somebody doing marketing, I've got somebody doing sales, and actually they don't like each other, don't talk to each other. Why is that still a case? I see that on a regular basis when I'm working with businesses. Why is that? Um, yeah, I see it as well. And I think it's it's really lack of understanding of what marketing is. So if you look at, and I'm going to double check this, I'm going to read it out, definition of marketing, I thought I'd better um, swatch us on it, <laughs> is the process responsible for identifying and anticipating and satisfying customer requirements profitably. So when you go back to the definition, which most people have never heard of, mm. It's actually quite easy because marketing is how you go find them and communicate with them. And sales is just one of those ways that you do it. Mm. So, but unfortunately, most people think marketing is either PR or it's social media or it's a brochure or it's somebody sat there doing telemarketing or maybe a survey or sending a, a brolly out if it's raining with your, with your logo on. <laughs> so it's lack of knowledge. It's disconnect between how it all should tie together. So Encompass Marketing, you've been you know, around for sort of 14 or so years. Is that what you do then at Encompass? You, you join the dots for your client. Is that kind of... One of the one of the differences that you make because I'm going to read something out for your website in a second, but just okay. responding to that in terms of joining the dots for your clients, not working in isolation, not working two or three silos, marketing, sales, customer experience. You connect with three, don't you? Yeah, definitely, and it's usually so eye-opening for every business that I work with. So it's really making sure, first of all, they know who their audience is. That's job number one. That's where I would nearly always start. Some companies really know it and know it well. They know who loves them already. They just want more of it. And then you have lots of companies who are really not sure who loves them already. Mm. Uh, And so then it's really then a process of going through, well, okay, where are those people? How will we message them? How will we attract them? How will we persuade them? What do we need? Do we need a bunch of salespeople? Do we need less salespeople? Do we need great email? Do we need great touch points? Do we need to say thank you? That's always a, a favorite that we're, that's usually overlooked. So it's, it, it really is just getting everybody working in the same direction of wowing the customer. My favorite is somebody who, who's your target audience and they say we can sell to anyone i mean that's like oh. a nightmare <laughs> starting point isn't it you're going well yeah. can we be a bit more specific who do you want to sell to and who's who's actually got the money right now that let's start somewhere oh anyone can buy my product or service that's that's an, and that's where marketing falls down because they don't understand that you know they they don't understand that you have to be more specific than that other these people who are running the businesses that go well we'll sell it to anyone and we'll just be busy We'll just be active and busy. That's not the same as being productive, is it? 
No, not at all. And usually they waste an absolute ton of money when they do that as well, because they'll throw money into specific marketing ideas or campaigns. It's kind of like they go squirreling off because they hear a good idea. Mm. Um, but because they're not clear on who they're targeting, it doesn't work. And then they think marketing doesn't work. So. <laughs> yeah, so it gets tarnished with that brush, doesn't it, of saying, well, I've tried this marketing stuff and it just marketing's rubbish, so it doesn't work for me. In reality, it wasn't part of a plan, wasn't part of a strategy, then really thought about the landing place and the fact that it was ever going to work. So I'm going to read a little question out that's on your website. It's an intriguing question. It's the first thing you see when you go onto the Encompass Marketing website. And it says, who needs marketing? Question mark. Okay. What a great question to ask someone when they land on a, you know, a strategic marketing business like Encompass's website. Who needs marketing? So what do you say to people if they think they don't need it or they're unsure or, you know, I don't know, do I need marketing? When you get that vague answer to that question, how do you deal with that then, Jane, at Encompass? It's really a series of questions. The first one is um, what level of business are you looking for? What are you trying to achieve in your business this year, next year, the year ahead? Most people look three year ahead, but the pandemic's definitely got rid of that thinking at the moment. Three weeks ahead if you're lucky. Yeah, yeah, three weeks if you're lucky. Um, and also, what aren't you achieving that you want to achieve in your business? Hmm. Those three questions, they usually flush that out in terms of there's things that are missing, there's things they want to do more of, there's things they always have a long list of things they want to do less of. Um, which is fine that's you know that sounding board's part of the process and then it's usually well let's redefine what marketing is because it's not usually what you think it is so when they're engaging someone like you you're a sort of a board level senior experienced professional uh, does that mean that you're working with organizations who've already got a marketing function or they've got someone who is has got marketing in their title or you know, there's a, a desire to grow and they don't know where to start, so they bring an external expert. When do you usually get involved with a business, Jane? When's the best sort of time for someone to be thinking about that expertise piece? They they rarely have a marketing team um, within the business. Um, they're more likely to have a business development team and, and they're maybe not performing or they're thinking about doing some marketing and they don't know how to start, or they've done marketing before and it's failed in their eyes. Mm -hmm. um, but usually it's around growth. It's usually around um, they're wanting numbers, either revenue or profit, or they're wanting to reach more people, they're wanting to raise their profile. It used to be we've got a brand to launch. That's You don't see much of that these days. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, that's kind of gone. But it's... It's around numbers that they want to achieve. So given where we are, as we talk this we're at the sort of end of November, I don't know where that's gone, despite this year being what it is, it seems to have gone quickly. Um, we're at the end of November. It's a classic, classic time. You and I talk about it a lot, don't we, in terms of planning for next year. But don't plan for next year in January. You'll already lose January, won't you? So plan yeah. for it now. Um, should people be engaging expertise right now, to kickstart 2021, whatever 2021 might look like? Definitely, because this is the time to do your research. The market has changed. And if you look at any, any webinars or any training that you care to go on at the moment, it's all about that the business landscape has changed for good. Mm. And I think it actually has. I think it's had a, a real pivot now. 
So to give you an example, I was working with a client this morning and we've set up all the research. So we're going to do some surveys. We're going to do, we're actually going to ring some clients. We've been developing the questions. We're going to do some, use some online tools like SurveyMonkey, which are free and really easy to use. And we're going to do some prospecting as well. But the aim is all to find out what do they want. Mm -hmm. So your existing clients, how has life changed for them? And how, what they want from you, how has that changed? That's the job to do before Christmas. That's, that's the really key job in the run-up to Christmas is to find out what people's expectations are into, and what their plans are. I was going to say, um, you, know, you need to work out whether, whether your customers have got that sort of flicker of consumer confidence that the vaccines are bringing or whether they still think it's going to be a long, hard road or whether they're saying, look, let's get through the first quarter and see what Easter brings. You don't know until you engage them, do you? And, and actually the design of questions is a real skill, isn't it, in itself? You know, asking questions that are meaningful and give you value is a real art form, isn't it? Definitely, and that is a real copywriting job to get the best responses, whether it's an online questionnaire or whether you're actually engaging with them on the telephone. And it's it's key to get those questions right mm. and to bring that kind of skill in to get the questions right, because you want open-ended questions, you want great questions that they can actually tell you what's going on in their world. And out of their answers will come the basis of your marketing strategy next year. So you make marketing, um, what I would say, um, effective on the basis that it, it's linked to performance, isn't it? Um, a lot of businesses don't link it to performance. They link it to some kind of fluffiness over here that we've got a, a marketing department that creates some lovely looking stuff and, you know, send that out and, and that's what they do. Um, when you've worked with a business where they've actually got it, understood it, and, and linked the marketing strategy and approach to performance, give us an example perhaps of, of where, you know, what, what that's done for a business, where they've actually engaged, embraced, and got it, and then just action plan what we've, you know, what you've gone through with them. Okay. Um, I'll give you an example. A client, it was actually a signage client that I worked with um, about four or five years ago. Obviously, I've come from a signage background myself. His business was really struggling. So we went right back to basics and we did the surveys with his clients. And one of his clients was a care home. And they said that their biggest problem was um, dementia sufferers who they were very agitated and they were lost. And therefore, anybody who's um, had a family member who suffered from dementia knows how agitated they become if they can't find their way around a place. They're very confused anyway. So that was an absolute class piece of marketing research. We started the whole process. And out of that, we then worked with that client and we did all the research behind wayfinding and dementia. So lot, again, lots of studying. We had to do lots of desk research. We actually tied in with a university who were working on um, very similar products and how to help those suffering with dementia. And we actually launched a range of products that we already knew the market wanted because of doing it the right way around. Mm. That company is still going and its revenue is in the millions now. Wow. So they, I think they're now in something like 11,000 care homes, those signs now. So yeah. if you get the research right and you know what your clients want, and obviously the most beautiful result of that project is the amount of dementia sufferers who now have calm and peace and can recognize their way around care environments which 
how gorgeous is that as a spin-off? <laughs> the last thing you want as, as somebody who might have that in your family is you know seeing them agitated and suffering. If anything that makes that sort of much more um, acceptable and passable and peaceful has got to be a result. But it's really interesting that Jane that you've said you know the research delivered the solution. And a lot of people shortcut the research. You know, the, 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 is it me or is online and digital all about almost instant gratification? How many likes, how many looks, how many thumbs up, how many comments and stuff? Is that, is that unfair? You know, is it about doing the hard yards? Is it about putting the effort in? Or is it about just pushing out there and let's hope, you know, the, the digital world is, is, is unlimited if we get enough bites of the digital world, what's the difference? What would you be saying to a company to say, I'll throw some content out there, surely there'll be enough people to buy from me. How does that work? Um, it doesn't. It's as simple as that. You'll waste your time and you'll waste your client, your prospect's time as well, which will be even more annoying. So take the example of the, the signage. So it had an e-commerce website. So we found out that the clients wanted to buy online. They wanted both. They wanted to be able to ring up for advice they wanted to find out about the different products, but these equally they wanted to buy them online. We didn't use social media at all. We used LinkedIn a little bit to get to the um, big procurement directors who were on LinkedIn. The care home managers were not on LinkedIn. We did the research. Mm -hmm. So there wouldn't have been at any point in us going all over Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn because the care home managers weren't there. Mm. Find out if your audience is there first. And then if they are, brilliant. Look yeah. at recruitment agencies. They use LinkedIn all the time because they know we're there. <laughs> so find out if they're there and then hammer your content, hammer great content. Yeah. Don't do it unless you do. Excellent. Okay. Um, the global pandemic's changed the marketing landscape, right? Okay. Has it changed for good? Are we, are we doing things now that we're going to take for granted that we weren't doing before March in the UK? Are, are the things that this year have been positive coming out of the, uh, the pandemic, you know, in terms of marketing and communication side of things. I, I listened to a, a webinar from my institute, Chartered Institute of uh, Marketing last week, and the headline was, go online or go broke. It's a big statement, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's all I'm often, isn't it? Isn't it? But the topic was around, if you don't have an online offering, whatever business you're in, you're missing out now because now online is normal. Whether you had a strategy to go online in two or three years time, or if you didn't think you had the kind of business that could be online, now you need to, as part of your customer retention strategy, that was the focus of it, you need to have an online presence. So whether it's you doing um, like we're doing podcasts or whether you're doing webinars or training sessions, they gave some examples of even if you're a hairdresser or a nail bar, the people who have been shut, you could have been giving lessons, you could have had a little e-shop selling your products, which would have given you some income. Yeah. There is now an online strand to your business that must be there. And it was very blunt, but it was very thought-provoking because I think if you do have an online presence, mm -hmm. you would have been in a better shape probably because of the pandemic. So that's one of the biggest questions that people are facing now. What should be online? How do I go online? What's relevant? Mm. And Again, what, what actually would our customers value? Yeah. If put it online, they wouldn't value everything. I mean, 
my business in Packers Group, we, uh, I don't mind admitting, I've said this to everybody, the first three days of lockdown in the UK, I just watched Netflix for three days and sat there and thought, oh my goodness, woe is me, you know, what am I going to do? But my head was just spinning, so I just let it spin. Um, and I've been looking to write an online sales academy for years, which never had the time. I had nothing but time in March and April. So I wrote that, launched that. And it's no coincidence that that platform I put together in May, my business is now, I class myself as a bit of a, a Zoom ninja or a webinar master because I spend my day sat on a chair talking to people on Zoom and whatever, doing webinars and online sales academy content. Um but I wouldn't have done that without the without the pandemic because I think I'd have always been busy, wouldn't I? So that, there are some good things come out of this from a marketing point of view. You've just got to know which ones to embrace, I guess. I think that's it. And I think also your customers will give you some of that knowledge as well. Again, engaging with them, talking to them and finding out what they would like, what they would find useful is going to give you some really big hints for your online strategy. Mm. Even if it's just bringing your business to life, so more videos, I think that's one of the key things that people are taking on board and that we've got to look at for 2021. Bring your business to life. People still love dealing with people, don't they? We see that all the time. Yeah. So bring your business to life, use video, embrace it. We've all had to learn Zoom. We've all had to see ourselves looking back at ourselves, haven't we? Yeah. It's, it's just the new norm. So I think adding life and dimension to your business at least, not everybody needs a full e-commerce operation but they certainly need to embrace new technology now well, i would say we're all zoom confident now aren't we so you know i i, I record this podcast used to be doing the studio now it's done on zoom for for uh, uh, obvious reasons of accessibility um and i've said to my many of my clients film uh, a short one minute intro video for your website, but do it on Zoom. No one's bothered about production values. Nobody's bothered. As long as the lighting's okay and you don't look like a, you know, you, you're a complete amateur, practice it, have a go, have a little dig, you know, try something out. So I do think there's some good things come out of it. Um, the bit that frustrates me a little bit is um, I've, I've got a little question about working from home and I've put here, it might be untrue. More people seem to have a little bit more time to try things out for themselves. Certainly business owners, you know, they've got a little bit more of that time, me time, thinking time, whatever. That includes marketing. So have you seen things this year that you think to yourself, really, really? You know, just because you've read it on the internet doesn't mean you should be doing it. What are the, what are the things that you've seen that you're thinking, honestly, why? Why have you done that? I've seen um, tons of guaranteed, in inverted commas, lead generators. Oh. <laughs> and I, I have seen and have, you know, seen clients who have been stung by people who guarantee to generate your leads on LinkedIn, guarantee to generate your leads on Facebook. And, and obviously TikTok as well, you know, all the new platforms, because TikTok's exploded this year, hasn't it? So lead generators and boy that i mean they're still going they're still out there and i'm not saying there are some good ones out there but the the internet is awash with promises of people generating new leads and new clients the ones i get the ones i get spelling mistakes you know they send you a linkedin post you're full of spelling mistakes you think yourself well, if you can't get the spelling right in the the enticement what you what chance have you got for working with me where i've got standards and things so yeah, lead generation. I'm a, I must be getting the same uh, connection request as you, Jane. The, 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 the three a week, aren't there, from people? And, and the word guaranteed's always got stars around it or, you know, that kind of thing, hasn't it, really? Nothing's guaranteed. SEO people as well. Get your website. Oh, yeah. For one. yeah. 
Yeah. Absolutely loads of SEO. I think the lead generator as well, the worst one that I saw is that um, a client, they had passed their prospect list to this person yeah. and the lead generator, because they were so bad, burned that list. Wow. They tried to connect with them on LinkedIn without any introduction or any technique or, you know, any any warm-up or any persuasion content or, you know, nothing to back it up and no strategy. Just went straight in for the jugular and burned that whole opportunity. So, get yeah. Some, get some help from a professional, Jane. I think that's what you said. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like anything, isn't it? You know, you do, you do something on the cheap, you're probably going to buy twice, aren't you? You're better off investing in advice. One of the things I say about people who are, you know, highly skilled and highly qualified like yourself in marketing is um, they wouldn't skimp on the legal fees. They wouldn't skimp on their accountancy fees. They wouldn't skimp on the financial services, financial advisory, tax planning fees. So why do you think they could skimp on marketing, which is going to have, if not a bigger impact than all of those other services into a business? Why do people still think, you know, I can do it myself or I can do it cheaply? Why is that still the case? Why is marketing not at the front, not at the not at the board table as much as it should be? I think traditionally it's had the reputation of being too fluffy and not measurable. And I think that rep that reputation hopefully is now um, receding a little bit, but every single part of marketing is and should be measuring. Um, it should be measurable. And anybody who's not measuring it or doesn't know how to measure it means they shouldn't be doing it because it should be all about numbers. <laughs> Everything's about numbers. We've met those people who are doing it without any, and, and they actually don't want to be measured because they, they know they're not they're not delivering. Don't they? Some of these people who are, you know, they've got the word marketing in the title, but they're not delivering it. So they don't. If, if you start measuring me, I won't be here much longer than another month or two, will I? So on that basis, <laughs> we have indeed seen a lot of them. We have. So let's assume I'm a business owner right now, coming up towards the end of November, beginning of December, and I'm thinking about 2021 marketing strategy. What kind of things should I be considering? You've mentioned a few times about talk to your existing customers, get some research into what you already do well. So that's important. What should I be doing more of? What should I avoid? What should I avoid just diving into, which a lot of people are divers, aren't they? They see something that's like a shiny, some object over there for a jackdaw and they dive in. So what should I be doing more of? What should I be avoiding, do you think? Okay, definitely, like we've said, finding out what your clients want, finding out what your prospects want is harder. So testing and measuring, everything to kickstart should all be about, right, let's do some tests. We don't know about this. Let's do a little bit of test and measuring. Let's get a plan in place, find out what our market wants. It can, it can be hard to do that. What you can't do is just start to what I call broadcasting. Don't start bladding on about just what you do because it's so boring. If you're writing content, it should be into three chunks. It should be a little bit about you, a little bit about your clients, and a little bit about the marketplace and the industry that they're Don't just start broadcasting because they will literally unsubscribe. They'll stop following you. They'll just be deleting if you're sending them emails. So... Really talking about yourself a lot is incredibly boring. Mm. So you need the plan to find out what is what are they going to find interesting? What's going on in their industry? What's going on in their world? And talk about that and how you can add value. The second thing is all around value. Everybody wants more now. So what can your business do now? How can it reinvent itself by adding extra value into its offerings? And which of those are going to appeal to clients? 
So it's graft. It's really about graft at the beginning of any marketing strategy of answering all those questions. And it, there's no easy answers to them. There's never an easy answer. Well, I, I've talked a lot on this podcast with different guests about putting yourself out there as a, a, an expert or a, somebody of, of relevance or value, a thought leader, or whatever. You don't get to that exalted position without putting the effort in, do you? Without making sure you know the industry, that you are referencing the industry, that you are you know, building a body of work that supports your positioning in that industry. So there's, there's no real quick wins. There might be a quick win on a, a, a fortuitous campaign, you know, the PPE Wild West in March. You know, if you were in the right place at the right time, you might have made a bit of a killing on the PPE front, particularly if you were a friend of any ministers in the government, you know, you might have got a contract sent your way. But, uh, um, but other than that, there's no real quick wins, is there? There's no substitute for putting the effort in, putting the graft in, but then linking it to the deliverables and the money and the figures. Yeah, definitely. And like you say, there are, and unfortunately, those people are probably going to get a bit of a backlash now, the people who've made the quick wins in the um, in the pandemic. But there are businesses who have had huge successes and not just with PPE as well in the pandemic. And a lot of online developers, for example, and IT people, quite rightly, have have supporting people and help people and allowing businesses to pivot but in the main most people still have to slog it out mm. and the more that you can get all of your thinking lined up and your strategy really robust and really based on market knowledge and customer knowledge then you're really going to reap the benefits of it going forward i'm going to finish with one, one of my clients um i, I will mention uk bathrooms based in ripon um and they've had a fabulous um, um year but they were very brave because in, in March, they had two choices, I guess. One is let's furlough everybody, let's mothball the business and let's come back to it when we can, or actually let's invest in the business, invest in the people, restructure the organization for growth and let's deliver that. Let's, you know, let's make sure we, we provide a, an exceptional customer experience because we've got the supply, we've got the stock, we've got, and people are sat at home on furlough with bathroom projects to do. So why not get it from us and we'll give you all the advice, support and help, et cetera. And I love stories where people who've taken a risk, i.e., you know, they've, they've invested all that energy and effort, have been rewarded by that. And that's where marketing comes in. You get that glow, don't you, when you, you, you've put the effort in, you've, you've energized something and the results come. So, you know, that's what working with you does for most of your clients. They get that glow on a regular basis, don't they, Jen? <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm a glow, a glow magnet <laughs> yeah but yeah it is it's true because also doing the strategy right will allow you um to think to make the right decisions so you're right there are people who and we've met lots of owners who are big risk takers and equally we uh, we deal with people who are risk averse so the more robust your strategy the more your decision making, whichever one of those you are, whether you're super entrepreneurial and you let it, you go for it, mm. or if you're really cautious, you're going to know that you're making the right decision. And, and like you, one of my more cautious clients, um, when when the pandemic hit, they had exactly the same choice, and they decided we did again. We did the background thinking, okay, what's going to happen? We looked at the print requirements, the two meter distancing, all of that, and switched their business into that area but they had to make that decision i can put the plan in front of them but you're right ultimately it comes down to risk taking but it's minimizing the risks and take with good planning yeah 
Jane, that's been an absolute pleasure. That's flown by. I'm just going to share the screen so people can see uh, a little bit about sort of uh, where, where the podcast goes and what we're up to and a bit of contact details for you. So, um, so the first thing to say is thank you again, Jane, uh, Managing Director of Encompass Marketing, as we've said earlier. Uh, the podcast comes out on a Tuesday. It's available on all the usual platforms, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Google Play, Podbean, CastBox, to name a few. Um, it's hosted on my YouTube channel. I'll promote that through LinkedIn to let people know there's a new one. But you can, of course, subscribe, which means that you don't miss out on your usual Tuesday impact sessions. Uh, I've put Jane's contact details on the screen for those watching, but I'm going to read those out. So it's Jane, uh, uh, Jane Graves, uh, Encompass Marketing, uh, 0781121874, and Jane with a Y, J-A-Y-N-E, at Encompass uk.net and your website's obviously the same derivative so is that everything covered in terms of your contact details there jane you're probably on all sorts of platforms but we can't publish them all i guess can we <laughs> no no that's absolutely fine thank you absolute pleasure to see you again um i would encourage anyone who's looking to have a successful 2021 to get some professional input get some strategic advice to link your plans to the money and to talk to your existing customers. And the best way to do that is employ an expert. So Jane is very much that expert, known her for 20 odd years, worked on multiple projects together. Uh, fabulous to see you again, hon. Great to uh, to see that Encompass continues to go from center strength and uh, fingers crossed that 2021 feels brilliant compared to what has been a, an interesting year. Uh, it's been great from a business point of view for me, but it's just horrible on a sort of level of stop, start, stop, start, isn't it? So be nice to be here. Nice to go on holiday and, and also go to the pub and, and hug a few people. So nice to, <laughs> nice to see you there again. <laughs> well, do we get to go to the pub as well at one point? That'd be yeah. great, wouldn't we're it? All, we're all a beer or two, aren't we, you and I? We really are. Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, Thank you for inviting me on, Nick. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Anne.